You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Yo, yo. Hey, Greg Hectus. What's up, everybody? Justin Pearson. What's up, friends? I'm glad to be back. Welcome. And Mackenzie Stevens. Hey, how's it going? The NASCAR Coke Series visits Worldwide Tech Raceway, and it delivers one of the closest finishes in series history. We'll answer the question of whether you should race with Jim or Aussie Greg, and we'll look at some new VR headset options. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all the great topics and products that we will discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. We hope to see you there. Pick up the topics today with the Truck Demolition Derby video. And this is a post on iRacing's Instagram official of just carnage after carnage after carnage of, of the new truck damage model. I love seeing the body parts fly. Like the whole nose comes off and if you can hit it hard enough. Didn't that happen to you? Pretty cool to have it. In the next gen, Greg, didn't you pop the nose off in one of your qualifying runs at Sonoma? Yeah, I hit the tires really hard, and it it wrecked uh, the whole the whole front came off, the whole clip and everything came off. So uh, obviously, it's it's going to peak its way into because this is the newer newer damage model, isn't it, Mike? Like it's a newer version of what they're doing with the damage model. Yeah, and they're constantly tweaking it to, right now to kind of fine tune it. Is the way I read it. I just wonder, like, have you ever watched those? Uh, what is it called? NB something? There's a like really popular crash damage uh, a game out there i can't think of the name of it now but they have really realistic graphics for for crash damage i was wondering if you'd ever get really good physics someday for that well i i wouldn't say it's bad i mean i think it's pretty presentable i mean when you look at these videos um it's really coming around like you said it's a newer damage model i think they're at the point where they're just fine-tuning it but they're certainly putting it out on new cars as they're released trying to you know if that car is in a class make sure the other cars have it you know so the damage model is going to be throughout the system here before long and you're dealing with something that's dealing with so much of a finer sense of physics where you have so many more data points uh, a computer can only calculate that so many times per car so there's a difference between simulating that for one car and simulating that for 30 cars yeah and mike you were saying like adding it to every car like it's it's kind of like you know we're gonna have every car in the sim by the time that we keep up doing these updates we're gonna have every car is gonna come with the damage model now and then they update the ones that don't and then they also do the ai that they don't have you know topped up so everything will be caught up eventually someday the trucks is one of the most popular series as well in the uh 
in the service, especially on the oval side. So it's good to see. So would you say the trucks would be on the oval side or the popular? So would it compare to would it be IMSA on the roadside or would there be an open wheel a little more popular? Um, no, they're both it's C class, just like IMSA. Well, IMSA is B class now, but yeah, they 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 both get really huge numbers, especially at a popular track like well, Watkins Glen this week. Uh, I'm seeing 200, 300 people every every two hours. Yeah, it was 350 or something like that last night. Now, question: I've I've been gone for a couple of weeks. Now I see like in this video a front clip laying on the track. Now if I hit it would it affect my car so far when i have hit them it has not affected me so i'm unsure people say it's supposed to but i have run over a front clip and it didn't hurt my car but that was in the next gen which is a, a beast anyway i'm unsure i, I want to almost say no because i would really like it where we're at dover you know some lapper you know Sieg hits the wall, he breaks a, a brake rotor, and we got a piece of a brake rotor down in the groove at Dover, and you run over it, and you can feel running over it. Like, the whole car is upset, and, you, and then it can't steer, and then you're in the wall. And, and it's really not that common in real life for the cars to run over. Like, they run the debris over and puncture a tire, but running over a bumper cover it doesn't happen very often and if it did it kind of would just get knocked off the car and go past it right yeah it's a big mass differential there it would be nicer it'd be more if there was like a puncture possibility but obviously that's even more of a a, a programming nightmare well it's definitely nice to see the damage model in the trucks that kind of completes the uh the nascar suite does nationwide have or xfinity have it the new damage model I don't even, I haven't been in an Xfinity race in forever. Same. When I was in, I think it was actually still called Bush. See, which is funny. We always talk about we want the cars to be like handle harder and everything. None of us ever go and run the car that handles probably the hardest of all of them. Well, that's because I still want to run the top car. You know, that's just where I like to be. Um, but anyway, it's, it's really neat to see. Uh, obviously, there's, it's still kind of sort of week one, and there's still a few more videos highlighting uh, things that Irising has put out. And uh, Greg West kind of showed us how to properly pronounce Ligier, if you, if you watch the video. Um, did you give this one a watch, McKenzie? Uh, I did quickly. So, it's, yeah, it's showing the Ligier, the JSP uh, 320. Um, they do... They just show a few clips of it driving around. Uh, I can't for, I can't remember what the track's called now. The one that they brought out the new uh, landscape model for there. Willows. The Willow Springs. Yeah, that's what it is. I was drawing a blank. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, so basically they're saying it's got quite a bit of horsepower and it's light and it handles really well. Yeah, it's really interesting when you when you see the the mons the real Le Mans race with with uh the garage 56 car how much bigger it is than the other cars i mean this thing only weighs 900 kilos i think is what he said yeah yeah that's what it said and it has like 650 horsepower i think no it was, it was in the fours yeah the cadillac was the one that was 650 yeah cadillac 650 this car david i in obviously me and you have been in the lmp2 cars a lot 
I just looking at it, I feel it's just it. It's just the the same kind of feeling as an LMT2 car. Like it looks, it brings off the whole same vibe to me. Well, yeah, that's why they call it LMP3. But I just no. But I'm just saying, like it's it. The model isn't any different looking to me. You're sitting in the right instead of the left. Yeah, but the, I just look at the car. I it just looks exactly like I, I appreciate the 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 candor there. I realize what class it was. I was saying I don't. It's kind of like oh look, they brought out the new stock car in the Ford, Toyota, and Chevy version. Right. Yeah, I can't tell them apart really when you look at them on track. They do sound very different. Uh, that's, yeah. that's why when that video came out, I wasn't sure if it was the Caddy or this, because the LMP3 has that, that deep roar engine as well. You, you know a, the Caddy when you fire it up. Well, while we're talking about the Caddy is a naturally aspirated engine. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a beast. With a hybrid element to it. That's a really light car. You said 900 kilos. That's 1,900 pounds. That's light. Yeah. Most, most of the sports cars are half the weight of the stock cars. All right, uh, Justin, we've got some iRacing sponsor giveaways. Yeah, iRacing put a post out here, I see. And it says, we're excited to announce McConey Setup Shops is officially sponsored NASCAR Class C McConey Shops Fixed. And it gives you directions on how to enter Wow. Nice prizes. Sim Magic Alpha Mini Bundle at $850 value. It comes with the rim. Second is the uh, Sim Magic uh, two pedal set. And then finally, third, Sim Magic Sequential Gear Shifter. Now, does this run the sponsor again? Is that how you enter? Yeah, yeah you have to go into iRacing Paint in the beta UI and set the sponsors on the quarter panel and stuff. Now on on the caddy, uh, which I just bought, it won't let it will not let you add sponsors, or it wouldn't. For some reason, for me, it said sponsors not allowed when I was trying to edit it. But then, Greg, I noticed you had a sponsor on your little default yeah, team. I, I defaulted with what Ryko and uh, SimCube. Huh. I wonder why I saw that. I want that buck kicker? You can also. There's a lot of other uh, contests going on. You can win a set of Falcon tires um like real race uh real tires for your car there's a thruster direct drive t818 up for grabs in the uh rickbotech uh ringmeister series and the iRacing clio cup pure driving school and dof reality motion sim m2 how about that so yeah just do it you know any there's there's so many of them i mean i keep going down the list and because there's so many, it's almost like you should go in there and just set all these paint these uh, sponsors on all the cars that you normally run. Well, it's got to be in that way. If you end position. up in a race, yeah. So you kind of have to pick one, unless you want to run different ones in different cars. But you have to run it ten times in the car. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I guess you would do it on the cars that you plan on running the season with. Well, there's a whole bunch of different class, like you know, series too, right? So you'd have different paint jobs per series yeah that there's is, even a sim labs uh chassis up for grabs would would nis count as one of these official races yeah it's an official mm -hmm. race but you should also run an a open to get ready for nis 
It yeah, is yeah. official, but if you read this, NIS is not eligible for any of these prizes. Does it say that somewhere down at the bottom? Oh, sorry. David, if you look, uh, there, it's very specific. Like, for example, to win the Sim Labs, you have to run the Sim Lab Production Card Challenge in season three specifically. Okay, so I can't lim uh, I can't win a Sim Lab P1X if I'm running NIS. There's no prizes here listed that say NIS. Yeah, but like so you can still do. It's just basically you got to compete for that whole season. It's kind of so. It's kind of like if you're trying to accumulate iRacing points to get the iRacing dollars, you just kind of compete in that series all season and just have a paint set up that way for that season. See, I don't run very many twelve-week seasons, but if you do. Most iRacers do. I mean, you really need to go through your paints and just kind of make sure you got all the right sponsors on so you're eligible because somebody's going to win it. Now, I just noticed there's a few of them here that say season two. So are those, is that just a typo, do you guys think, or are those just from last season? Like the Buck Kicker and the Sim Magic both say from season two. I'd guess it's a typo, copy-paste. All right, before I... Throw in my opinion. Let's hear what Mike has to say about the Coke series at Gateway. Well, I watched this race. I didn't take notes, but it was a good race. I mean, coming down to the end, Garrett Maines, who we've seen, you know, flashes of brilliance and speed throughout this season, but he hasn't closed the deal. He ended up leading with old tires while everyone behind him had two and four tires. And we're down to the end of the race, and the caution keeps coming out, and it goes green, and the and he gets great restarts on these old tires. I'm no 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 joke, but and he and he gets away, but the caution comes out just as somebody's about to pass him on better tires, but he maintains the lead. They only end up with one green white checker, and so at some point, Garrett Maines gets overtaken, and as he does. He takes the field with him is, the, I guess, the way to say it. I mean, he wrecks everybody, and that's what sets up the final uh, showdown there. But well, I don't George, think, yeah, I don't think he got overtaken. I think he got dumped. It sure looked like a dump. That could have been what it was. I mean, everybody's coming, new tires. Nobody's given an inch. I, you're right. It, it, I mean, we kind of knew that was going to happen. You know, when you have a guy with old tires, you know, on a late restart. But that was the classic setup, is what it was. But uh, Jordy Lopez, who had two tires, I believe, uh, and, and he said he took two to get some track position and, and it worked because he was up there close. And I think Mike Conti had four. And as they were coming around on that final, uh, you know, green-white checker, uh, Conti was coming. He got to him. He, he hit him a little bit to get him up where he could get in beside him. And then he just kind of rode him up, you know, uh, and they locked horns as you, uh, you know, the, the cars got stuck together and it was kind of a, you know, classic Ricky Craven and Kurt Busch, you know, bouncing off each other, locked together at Martinsville kind of finish where they go down to the, the checker and, and Jordy Lopez, you know, gets his first win in the Coca-Cola three by a couple inches uh, over Mike Conti, who was coming. But Mike Conti, uh, he tried hard. He roughed him up, but not like dumped him. But uh, he still ended up second and a, a great win for Jordy. Now, rewind to the last lap. Do you think 
that pass he made on that 12 car on one and two was clean? No. Exactly. That's what I thought. I don't, I get, the problem is, is, and David, I think you're probably going to agree with this too. And I think your opinion, the way you were talking was, it's not, he drove through that corner like there wasn't a car there. He entered, he just, he ended up just driving like he had four tires, like there wasn't anything in him, like he was trying to win it. He kind of just kept going straight instead of, you know, turning, you know, use the four tires to your advantage. He didn't use this. He didn't take advantage of having four tires. He took advantage of, of a slower car. Um, this is exactly what we would actually see in NASCAR too. They would do the exact same thing. So I don't know how I, we're going to criticize it all we want, but this is exactly what would happen if this scenario was, you know, um, playing out at gateway with tires mean something like that uh, in NASCAR too. Watching the replay, Jordy Lopez actually was the one that got Garrett Means out of shape by hitting him in the back corner. Uh, but he was a much slower car at that point in the race. And what do you think about Mike Monty's uh, move, though, trying to win it? Was that, you know, appropriate? Effective? Was, I thought that was textbook. It was textbook, wasn't it? I mean, that's how NASCAR racing should be done to win a race, right, uh, Justin? Yeah, I, I believe so. I mean, all they were doing is leaning on each other. They weren't wrecking them, wrecking e each other. I thought it was awesome. Well, like I said, Mike Conti is a champ, and, and he proves it here by not dumping Jordy Lopez Jr., but just getting him up just enough so he can get in beside him. I mean, and that was that was the beauty of it, and then they were locked horns and so forth. But, you know, when Jordy overtook uh, Garrett Maines, that was a, a, a dump, but I don't think he meant to dump him. It was just, a, man, a much faster car and a much slower car, you know, fighting for the same real estate. And I'm not saying in that position, that race, I wouldn't do the same either. I think I think the hardest part about it is you get from the, the, the turn one incident, you get it from the outside. I don't know. There wasn't any onboard footage of that um, shown, right, of uh, um, Jordy's uh, – going through that corner but if you would were on him you just see him gas it up and keep going whereas if you see conti in turn three and four uh jordy's moving around and conti's on and off the throttle trying to figure out where he's going to go then he starts going and he just puts the the light bumper to him he doesn't fully gas through him it's kind of my point i mean conti could just drive through him I mean, and, and win the race, and, and he's got another win, you know, on his resume. But he didn't do that. He raced him what I'll call NASCAR clean. It's not clean, but it's NASCAR clean uh, in the fact that, you know, this is how Martin Truex would win a race or, uh, you know, somebody like that, like a Matt Kenseth. I I think uh, Netcode kind of screwed Conti's momentum up, too, there, where he couldn't get the win when they got locked together. Well, and it's also like who was ahead when they did lock, because once they locked, the other car couldn't get ahead of the other one, I think. I think they were lock-locked. Uh, yeah, and that was interesting. I mean, I don't think I've been locked to a car like that in quite some time, um, like where we literally can't get off each other. Or do you think the drivers were turning into each other? What do you think? I bet you if you go on the onboards of both cars, one's going left and one's going right. Yeah. Let's run this guy to the wall and take it, right? 
Well, I'm going to jump to the next one, David. Speaking of Michael Conti, uh, his uh, he has announced that he will be driving a small block super modified car at Oswego Speedway in July, uh, thanks to Martin Tech, who uh, makes computers. He's a big sponsor out there right now for uh, Michael Conti, and he's arranged some kind of test, or I don't know if it's a race, but it, uh, it looks like it might be a test. So he did talk about that in his post-race interview. Excited to get uh, some on some real uh, race uh, race car track time. Uh, one other note on the Coke race I'll throw out was Colin Bowden uh, before the race tweeted, "I've been wrecked out of seven or eight of these things by somebody, and the next effort that wrecks me, I'm going to wreck them or something like that." Now he did this pre-race. He he stated that, and then sure enough, during the Coke race in the middle of the race somewhere, uh, at as things were cycling, he took the lead at one point, and then he started fading, and and a, a newer car was coming up on new tires, and he was on old tires. The new car just barely touched him, got him loose where he was. Oh, he was about to wreck, and it looked like he was going to save it, and then you he just turned hard left into the sky that was going by him and he just dumped him. And, and sure enough, Evan Pasoko and, and Blake McCandless on the, on the call, uh, you know, they were tongue in cheek about the whole thing. You know, uh, it was obvious that he dumped him. Well, when you hit the wall, you can't really control the car. Right. That's what they were saying. You know, <laughs> when he knocked the right sides off of it. Trying to get that. What would be the proper reaction? That's not Denny Hamlin going on a podcast and saying anybody right put there. the Motec data. I, I I talked about that last week. We need our own data. You can get your own data. You can get your your own telemetry. Just can't get anybody else's unless you're like teammates. That'd be on, neat for the Coke series. Yeah. Well, then then somebody at the top would have access to every one of their setups because mm-hmm. it comes in the telemetry. The setup comes in the telemetry. Well, oh, iRacing has all that stuff, right? They can get it. And I think that's how they check for cheating and stuff, too, don't they? Is they watch that kind of stuff? Well, it would be uh, it would be just things that they could tell from it. I don't know if the they would use their the data if someone's trying to, if they're if someone's pointing out me. I I don't know how their cheating works. Is is somebody report something to find it? And they go they, looking. Yeah. Or do they just are yeah, they just looking for stuff? I would hope both. I would hope they proactively are looking and I hope that, you know, they respond to accusations as well, which we'll talk about cheating a little bit in a, in a story from after this one. So David, but it's not the next story because next up is a season three build review, right? And it's just a video showing all the new features each time they, they kind of throw up a bullet list and then show some clips from all the different tracks and cars uh, and in, including the dirt cars with the dirt overhaul. It's about four minutes long. What a great way to digest the build release notes uh, in, in a short four minutes. I can't tell you guys how hard it is for us as a group to try to tell you guys verbally what the build notes are. You know, we're presented with this huge wall of text, and that's all it is. And to try to, you know, verbalize that in a quick, efficient manner is very difficult. So I love these videos because you don't have to think about it. You just watch the video, you read what you see on screen, and by the end of the four minutes, you have a pretty good idea of what's going on. I want to give the figure eight a try. 
That looks fun. It, that, and what a great reminder that that's there. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's do it with the jump too. All right, and we're still talking uh, season three release notes, sort of. Uh, we have a patch out, Mike. Um, patch one, in fact. And I had to update yeah. yesterday, I think. Yeah, and a rare security update. We rarely see these. It says in season three, uh, release on June 6th, changes were rolled out to improve the security of the iRacing update processing. We would like to thank Stephen Sharkadoon for the responsible disclosure of the reported issues. As a reminder, security issues can be reported to at infosec at iRacing.com. So they don't say what it was, but it must have been big, big enough that they had to work on it and they put it in the release notes. Yeah, and this Stephen Phelan must be like uh, basically a white knight hacker, somebody who's basically trying to protect uh, a service he cares about instead of uh, pulling all the shenanigans. I kind of assume, David, that he's one of us. He's an iRacer based on the parentheses SS23, which might be a, a short for his, uh, he has a 23 after his username, maybe? I don't know. They did some more uh, stuff for the optimization, including fixing an issue that was happening with 12th and 13th generation Intel uh, CPUs. Yeah, this is interesting because there were a lot of people doing stuttering issues in the forums, and this is a response to that. This is a little confusing, though, because it says Intel CPU, and then it lists AMD uh, chips. Yeah, I saw that, too. I, w I had to read that like three times, but it doesn't make sense. Uh, I think they mean both of them. But what it is is there's a thing called Inky Worker Threads, and they've changed it where you can adjust how many of these threads happen. And I was reading the forum post to understand what this is, but basically it's a way to, instead of saying like audio on, on this particular thread and video on this thread and that kind of thing, this, this system will uh, delegate out to, you know, whatever core is available. And um, it's, it's kind of like a delegation system for, workload and something like that but it was causing certain people to do stutters and the idea is this fixes it you can go into the uh, uh, core i and i and adjust how many of these threads you can have max if you're still having problems so if you have stutters you really need to read into this and read that forum post looking on down into the cars it looks like they've adjusted the tape parameters for the the uh, trucks and XFIN cars. Uh, they didn't adjust those for the next gen cars because they don't use tape. A lot and of setup changes. The new changes. cars got some changes and stuff. Yeah. They worked on the limiter sound on the caddy and some other issues that were minor issues that looked like were happening with it with the display. I, I would have loved to see this one, David. Uh, under tracks, Daytona International Speedway fixed an issue where airplanes would come in for a landing on the airstrip at supersonic speeds. That wouldn't work so well. They would run out of runway really fast. I can tell you because I've been playing a flight flight sim, the, the Su-25 comes in at about uh, 300 knots to land is what you got to be at. Or it may be kilometers on there. On, on there. It's just it's, the, it's a Russian plane and it says 300. So a lot, a lot of minor fixes, but patch one already out. And, you know, this was not a very buggy release, was it? We've had 
some releases where they had to come out and really fix something quick. It's been good. But they've been they've been progressively getting better with uh, nothing where they have to take anything back anymore, right? They're just quick fixes. They're not taking things back after bringing them in. I think the only time that sort of really happened was when they brought the damage model out. Uh, and anything attached to a tire. All right, well, Greg, uh, how about you spot some spotter options for us? Yeah, and we really noticed this uh, last week um, at Sonoma. I was noticing at least. I, I kind of like it, and I don't like I, I think it'll be good on the or the roadside. I don't know about the old side, but uh, was it Owen Pear? I don't know how to spell it or how to pronounce his last name, but uh, um, he, he posted in the uh, forums, anyone considering firing Jim and giving back, uh, giving the job back to Ozzy Greg. Um, basically he's talking about uh, getting rid of crew chief app and kind of just resorting back to uh, having the iRacing um spotter crew chief on there right that he doesn't it's getting so much better that uh the crew chief uh third party app uh is felt that it's not needed i guess and he's wrong because it's not as complete as crew chief and i think it's all preference based too right well does it tell you does it tell you when there's a wreck in turn seven when you're coming up on turn seven that's still the one problem with the spotter pack on iRacing is it's just Car, it just car to your right, car to your left, or kind of like it's things. It's too. It doesn't give you as much information up the track. Hence, it's not complete. Yeah. Why, why doesn't iRacing just hire this guy who made Crew Chief and integrate his whatever into the system, just like they've done with other things? I mean, they should just recreate everything Crew Chief does because they do it so well. I think is a great question to pose because there have been spotter improvements but like david said did, did they cover everything absolutely not and so with me the more the inf- more information is better um i'd rather have too much than not enough and so if you have separate volume controls like i do for everything then you can mix this in where it's a real soft and you just barely hear it in the background. And it's not really invasive when you do that. I still just keep it on low chattiness and, and rely mostly on the crew chief. Well, I mean, that's the only thing you can really hear when you're racing, isn't it, David? You can't really chat back to anything. Not for at least another five months, right? <laughs> uh, I, they, you, were do, you were saying though, Mike, um, they are stealing some of crew chief's ideas. Like they obviously implemented the uh, auto refilling or helping with uh, guesstimating what you need in the tank. Well, it's not exclusive to crew chief. There's a lot of apps that kind of do the same thing. Uh, but, but yeah, for sure. I mean, I still like it because uh, you know, like I said, the more information, the better, as long as I keep the volume down on it and it's not, too invasive i'm okay with it even on oval i'm hearing car inside car inside from two different spotters but i have the uh, crew chief app set as a female spotter and i have a female voice while the uh i have aussie greg doing the uh i racing spotting and so just the different voices you hear in the headset 
um, saying different things or sometimes the same thing at the same time. It's not a big deal. It's funny you say it's not a big deal because this next uh, post, these two guys sitting in this uh, official's garage, they don't really think this wreck is a big idea either, do they, Justin? No, David. They're just chill as a cucumber while all this chaos is happening. I mean, these cars are just running 100 mile an hour and hitting this wall, and they're just arms crossed, just chilling. It's like a damage model test, or they all try to wreck it at the same time in the same spot? I'm guessing all those cars have John Cena paint jobs. I like like the third one that comes into the frame. It's airborne, and it goes straight into the fence. Like It's not even on the ground. Yeah, you you can tell it's kind of staged because nobody's actually making the turn at all. That right. that reminds me of what Lamar was at, like uh, what first three hours uh, on the weekend where they weren't making when the rain hit. Now, as I racing matures and they start enhancing, would we ever want to see these course workers or uh, track workers? Oh, there's been a wreck. They grab a fire extinguisher. They scurry out. Uh, next to the car, you know, to try to get the guy out or whatever, and they're, you know, they're blowing, you know, the the fire extinguisher. They can't do that until they put in the Ross Chastain feature. Well, remember, we can't ever have fire either. Well, and, and I think Mike, 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 you're. Uh... If you're gonna have this, then we're gonna have to have victory lane celebrations, right? Or you go, you know, you can get out of the car, and get interviewed at the end of the race, right? Yeah, like it. That's what Donnie was asking for. All right, Greg, you've gotten to drive it at least once. Tell us about the Caddy and the video. Uh, it's such a nice car. Um, I was enjoying it last night. It took me a little bit to uh, get used to it a bit. Um, as I posted my video, I kind of had a tanglement with a GT3 car, but uh, no, it was. Uh, it's definitely got a lot of power. It does it does shove the nose a lot. You can feel that the nose isn't sometimes doing what you want it to do. Um, but it is a nice alternative to the BMW on the, uh, IMSA side. And I really, really enjoyed racing it. Um, and I'll probably enjoy it for the rest of the season uh, on the roadside too. I wanted to get back into racing some of the, uh, IMSA series. So this will be definitely my choice of, uh, uh, car and that so i uh enjoyed the verbal commentary during the video telling me more about the car uh specifically that it doesn't respond to rake changes like the others in the same class um and it's, it's something to do with the, the the engine and the way that works or something but it turns differently than the other ones like you said it, it just responds differently as you're trying to turn it I just felt like the nose was not into the ground a lot on when you turn when when you were turning in and then like a typical kind of an American brand car when you stomp the throttle it kind of wants to you know spin itself out if you're not careful with it. All right, Mike, we've got to see this new track built as a fantasy track. Well, I've been a fan of the fantasy tracks and i racing, but i racing did read this tweet from nascar on nbc that said we asked chat gpt to take turns from other nascar tracks and build a brand new course and then we designed it and it's called the chat gpt speedway and uh if you get to the thread and you go to the second part of the thread 
it says turn one is at, from Charlotte Motor Speedway. Turn two is the S's at Watkins Glen. Turn three is the Daytona Trioval. Turn four is the Martinsville Hairpin. Turn five is the Sonoma Carousel. Turn six is from Talladega Trioval. Turn seven is Dover. Turn one and two together. Then turn eight is Chicago's turn 12. Then turn nine, finally, is from Homestead, turn three and four together. Could you imagine finishing up after going through the flat corner of Chicago and going onto a bank corner at a Homestead? Well, this is just an insane track coming coming off of the trioval into in, of Daytona into Martinsville into a paperclip. I mean, yeah, I want to race this track. Turn five through eight looks full throttle, just about. Well, that's a that's what I was gonna say, Jeff. That's like a oval centric, you know. You you come out of five, you go into this Talladega sweeping turn of six, and then Dover one and two and seven. Yeah, you won't be flat out. All. You won't be flat out in seven. Well, the thing is, is the way it proceeds there, I believe it might be like Dover's a tight turn in real life. I don't think it's perceiving Dover the same the same way as it would be on actually used. It's it's kind of lengthened it. So I imagine if I was a track developer at iRacing and I might play along with this and I would sit down at my track development software and then literally cut, copy, paste these corners from the various tracks into a new, uh, you know, a new uh, track and, and build this thing and then sell it or maybe give it to us for free like they did the iRacing Super Speedway. I think it'd be cool. I don't think NASCAR has ever raced on a track where they go over top of like they have, they have a bridge that goes underneath um, the track and over top. Oh, yeah, I see that. I wonder if there would be a chance of getting air. I want to see it. I want to see it. All right, Matt, we got one more top before we jump into events. Tell us about this next one. Yeah, this is a tweet by Drew Adamson. It's uh, June 22nd. They're giving away free stuff. Uh, 3.30 p.m. It's C-Class Dirt Car Pro Late Model Fixed. Uh, top three on the show are in for a surprise. My wedding anniversary. And he's got a little icon for cash. So I imagine they're giving away iRacing credits. This is that thing where they call it iRacing Happy Hour, where occasionally they do a proper broadcast of just like a regular fixed race from in the afternoon. And so that's what this is. And they're trying to get people to show up for it by offering some money. Uh, it also indicates that afterwards they're going to host a how-to on building an AI roster and hosting a race with your friends. Um, now this is all going down at twitch.tv slash iRacing. You know, you've been, you use the AI to practice for the race. You should just have a whole season you've got, had got running. I wish I had started a season at the beginning. Uh, it, but I didn't, David. And so each week I'm just picking single race, change the track, and I run. But here's the thing. I'm not running a race either, David. I'm running a few laps. Like, you know, I grid up. I'll run 5, 10, 15 laps, maybe 20, and then I park it. <laughs> Shocker. You really should try to at least run one, one fuel stint. 
I know, but it's just to shake down the, you know, just make sure it feels right. I, I feel like I know what I'm doing. I'm in the right gear, you know, that kind of thing. Everything works. So you get on lap 40 of a run. All right, Greg, pick up the first event. We've got the race for more 2.4. Yeah, so um, I recently posted on the their Twitter page. Uh, they're t- teaming up with Multiple Sclerosis Society for their third year in a row to host a multi-class uh, team racing event for this charity. Uh, hold on, let me bring it up here. It's Lamar. August so they're 3rd. doing the 24 hours or 2.4 hours of Lamar using, it looks like they're using the IMSA. No, sorry. Scratch that. So they're using the BMW uh, hybrid V8, the Cadillac, uh, the new Cadillac. Um, and then they call it GT one series. They got the Aston Martin DB nine, BBR nine in the Chevy Corvette. And then the Toyota GR 86. Um, insane. When is this going on? It's going to be Thursday, August 3rd at 8 p.m. Eastern or midnight GMT. You're going to have That's a, a mix of really fast and slow cars, isn't it? Really slow and really fast, like the slowest and the fastest. I was just going to say, you're going to blow the doors off that Toyota Jirt. That thing is going to be so slow down the, the straightaways by the end of it. You, I wonder what a lap time for the GR86 would be at Le Mans. It says the broadcast split once again feature iRacing Executive Vice President Steve Myers, seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion crew chief, and NASCAR Garage 56 project leader Chad Knaus, and the 2020 eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series champion Nick Ottinger. That's pretty sick because I'm pretty sure they're going to talk about some other stuff on there uh, with Chad and, and obviously having Nick on there too. But I would think maybe some of the project uh, 56 stuff might come up. Well, last year and the first year um, they released a lot of tidbits of content coming during this event. In fact, I think Steve Myers was saying if, you know, the, the, you know, the more people that, uh, you know, put in money for the MS society, you know, the more I'm going to spill the beans. Here, here's a, here's a long shot. Do you think, uh, because they have Chad Canos on there, do you think the uh, GT, the, the garage 56 car is a possible, just an addition to iRacing at some point just to have, I've seen people on Twitter this week actually call for it. We need this car in iRacing, even though it's never set to race again. Just, just to keep it, you know, historically, you know, because it, it's kind of been iconic over the last week or so watching that, how NASCAR has come onto the global, you know, uh, racing scene and people are very interested in that car and to see it faster than the, the GT cars out there was pretty cool. So it's also saying here, Mike, anyone that wants to get involved can visit uh, the national MS society.org. Um, I'm guessing you can make donations there as well. Yeah, you make a donation, you get involved and uh, run the race and and get involved in the fun. It looks like fun. All right. This weekend also features one of the uh, special events that's on the regular calendar, the iRacing VCO Watkins Glen six hour. And just like the other events, they are going to go ahead and temporarily, temporarily disable registration via the member site. So you'll only be able to go in through the UI during that time. Uh, we covered the details, but it's basically the IMSA cars. It's the four standard start times. 
it does feature the Cadillac in there. I didn't, I, I haven't seen if there's any balance of power yet. So I'll check that real quick. We don't have a hot link to the, to the form post. So there, there, there might be a balance of power for the, some of the GT three cars. Um, but I, I know me and Tom are going to run this one in the, uh, on Saturday morning. Uh, it worked out. He needed somebody to race with. So we're going to just pair up and knock her out. See if I can get this monkey off my back. Very good. Podcast housekeeping notes. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Get involved in the Discord and you'll see, hey, my new painting of my Gen 7 car. I have hanging it up on the wall. Uh, if you're in the Discord, you would see it. And then don't forget uh, our website, iRacersLounge.com, where we document literally with links everything we talk about. We're in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. All right, it's time to talk fantasy. Our winner this this time at Sonoma was Canadian. You want to pick up the rest, uh, Justin? Yeah. Um, yeah, David. Uh, sorry, I lost a page here. Uh, but yeah, it looks like Canadian's uh, number one, Mason Racing, is second. Uh, Louder Racing is third. And yeah, it looks like I need to learn how to play fantasy. It seems like the same people are in the top 10 week in and week out. They must use analytics or something. Yeah, they got me beat. Yeah, Canadian has actually won the week and has taken over the point lead because I think last week Mason was at the top. Yeah, uh, the highest on our team was, uh, let's see here, Tyler Williamson in 16th. McKenzie, you're 18th. Yeah, I would have did better if uh, Tyler Reddick didn't get taken out. And then Brian, 22nd, and Donnie Spiker, 23rd. All right, and it's off week. I didn't even realize it. I was, like, getting ready to practice for NIS, and and uh, you guys are like, uh, you're a little early. I uh, John enjoyed the race because I actually really did. I liked the fact that it played out like the old school road races used to. With the stage breaks gone, I mean, that really changed the perplexion, didn't it? It made strategy more of a toss-up. They just don't they just don't have the ability to pass. It just the car the cars just don't lose any of that rear end grip. It's not it's not it's not hard enough for them to hammer the gas and and have and lose grip. They all us like they're talking on a lot of podcast weeks. They lose every car loses the same amount of time in the run and they're all running the same times, even though there is tire fall off, but there needs to be a way of punishing guys that don't know how to, to maintain tires. Denny's podcast explained that very, very well. He, he went on about how hard it is to pass. Once you lose that air, uh, you can't get no grip to get around the guy. And they're all running the same speed, you know, basically. But I, to Greg's point, we need a real soft tire that falls off like a second and a half or something. Didn't seem like Truex had problems passing, though. Yeah, there, there was obviously something on that car that was just right. They hit every 
every part of that where he was gaining time and it just, it worked. So I, I don't know what, I still think the solution is at some point, they obviously got to change for most of the other, most of the tracks is the, the gear ratio or the way they get the final gear to fix a lot of that problem for them to not be shifting to, to get back going. But that's still the fundamental thing that I think they lost um, their way with the fans was taking horsepower out of the cars. I, I just, I love horsepower. That's, that's just something that if I'm thinking the top series, I want the series to have the biggest motors and the best power. Yep. Well, you know, they did bring back some of it. They remember for a long time there, we were like dr- uh, drowning in tears with that low horsepower. Can you imagine if they uh, didn't, next if they did stay that way. Oh my God. What a mess. These cars wouldn't even spin the back tires because they wouldn't have enough horsepower. Then if I remember right too, on Denny's podcast, he talked about the tire. They were testing a new Hampshire tire and he was really, really impressed. And he's thinking that NASCAR may bring it this year ahead of time. You better bring it for Phoenix. Phoenix has been a crap. Isn't the new, no, the New Hampshire tire is supposed to debut at New Hampshire only. And he wanted it to be in multiple places. Wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, all the all the one miles, right? Yeah. So Dale Jr. says something about Martin Truex Jr. where Martin can not go to the sim. He doesn't practice. He he's out hunting and fishing, and then he flies in for the race, and he just jumps in the car and he lays it down and he gets it done. And it kind of remind me of somebody. Oh yeah, somebody who never practices and just jumps in the car and performs. Oh yeah. Yeah, I like Martin Truex, but uh, yeah, congrats to him. Uh, next week, Nashville Super Speedway. I mean, who do you like there? Larson. I was going to say Hendrick. The Hendrick 4 will be tough, and I think it's going to be – I think that would be a Toyota track. It's, it's still hard to pick any of the Fords, but I think it's going to be it's going to be Gibbs or, or uh, Hendrick probably. And uh, what happened to Ross Chastain? Did he just fall off the face of the planet? I mean, we haven't talked. We used to talk about Ross Chastain all the time. And and now I haven't heard from him in like two or three weeks. Well, the theory, the going theory is he's been told to back it down. Now, random thing. Does Hendrix, does, uh, what's the team name? Um, I just went blank. Ross's team. 2311? No, Ross's team is uh, Trackhouse. Trackhouse. Now, does Trackhouse get their motors off of Hendrick? No, they but they do share information with all of them. I want to say that Trackhouse is an ECR engine. For some reason, I thought Hendrick had a play in the supply of motors. That was a theory I heard. Well, I hope Ross comes back to the way he used to drive. It was fun, kind of fun to watch. Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash? Good credit? No credit? Doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com to view our complete inventory and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. 
All right, it's time for some hardware software sponsored by Metro Ford of Chicago. We're going to open it up with a video that Meta has announced the Quest 3 VR headset. And I have not watched this video. Who has? I got parts of it. Uh, $499. It's coming September 27th at Connect, which is some kind of conference, I think. So probably released in the fall. But uh, yeah, it takes the Quest 2 and basically uh, reimagines it, as they call it. Uh, it's 40% slimmer, uh, more comfortable, as they would call it. Better, you know, clarity. Uh, the hot, I get, what is it called? The hot spot or whatever? That's more wider. It is heavier than the Quest 2, though, they said. And it also, I forget what they called it, but basically they have it where you can be looking through them. And then in in the case on there, it almost had like a, a board game got put on the guy's like coffee table and he could still see everything else in his house. But that was put into right there. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, like an AR, kind of like the Apple glasses where it's got cameras on the front of it. So you, there's like three slots. And I think the outside ones are cameras, but that's where it does the AR stuff. Yeah, on the old Rift, you, it had cameras, but you could basically only look outside or look at a, a game screen. You couldn't kind of do both. I feel like the, the looking through is the thing that people are mostly wanting out of the VR now too, so like that you can be half in, half out, so you can still see what, or not necessarily just see what you're doing, but I think it's about for multitasking more than anything with with vr now i guess you're just sketchy and you don't like you know people walking up behind you and slap you upside the head or something you know see i used to race in vr and i'd all of a sudden either the dog would come in or the or the kids would all of a sudden come down and someone's tugging on your shoulder and like what the heck is that i was a huge fan of the quest too that's how i got into iRacing. racing that's about the cheapest way you can do it i had a g 27 and those goggles and i had a blast for about six months and then i started upgrading now does this one require a, a battery lifetime as well just like the two did no i didn't catch that well in the two i believe you even if you left it plugged in it would not charge fast enough on the usb to stay on 24 7 which made it really so, bad for long time racing so i have the quest too and uh, I found this cord, I think it was on Amazon that I actually found it, where it's the the link cable, so it plugs into the headset and then plugs into the computer. But then it's also got like this separate little little box built into it that you uh, bring a USB cable and actually plug it into the an outlet so it charges it at the same time as you use it. And I haven't had any problems with it. Yeah, a box can put out more more juice than any of the computer USBs, so that makes sense. Yeah, because I, I did a lot of research before I actually went and bought one of those cables, and everybody said if you're going to do any type of extended racing to buy that or it won't last. All right, Justin, pick up the next one. Um, give it a full send. Yeah, Full Send Sims offers their turnkey custom-built rigs for sale and rental, and they got a website here where it looks like it's pretty much you pay the price and you get a sim rig out the door. Yeah. There's a lot of businesses cropping up like this where they build turnkey cockpits, rigs, you know, everything's included. 
from the computer to the monitors to the seat to the cockpit to the racing hardware, everything's included for a price. And so we've talked about Podium One out of Nashville. Those guys are super busy. I mean, they're putting together rigs around the clock, 24-7, literally. Uh, this guy I found from Central Florida, he actually rents the, the Sims as well. If you want a Sim rental in Central Florida, you can rent them. But uh, his big one is $23,570. He calls it the Pro Ultimate Rig. Yeah. And there's a cheaper one called the Comp Rig at 16000 Entry level, 9300 The Pro Ultimate's got triples with the monitor on top. Uh, it uh, looks like a Fanatec base. It's got a keyboard tray. It's, it's got wind sim. It's got button box. Uh, it's, it's got seat belts. So it's definitely the whole, whole pack. It's a convenience buy, guys. I, and you're paying a premium to do it. You know, when I look at the entry rig at 9300 for example, this is similar to a, a P1X, and it's actually a step down probably from a SimLab P1X. So let's say that's 900 bucks. Then he's got one monitor, one computer, one seat. He's got a... A probably a middle of the road pedal and and uh, steering wheel system. You can't really tell which one it is, but if you do the math, you know it's probably about five or six thousand if you did it on your own, and they're charging ninety three hundred. So there's a con you know you're paying people to put it together. You're paying for it to be shipped. You know you're paying for all that, so you don't have to do it. So are we if we're talking about the entry rig, that's the, the Fanatec CSL pedal. Right. So how much are we talking about if you added up all the parts on this rig? Probably fourth. I mean, the computer, I know a computer can be a lot. So I'm saying, you know, conservatively four or $5,000. You could rebuild thing too, When you do something like this, like the computer parts, like if you think of building a PC, the, the prices are always moving parts, so you kind of got to price it so that you don't, you don't hurt yourself in the long run. Right. Well, you got to make, make money. It's a business, too, you know? So you got to pay the people that put it together. And, um, and so, yeah, there's a market for this, obviously. And, um, yeah, if you're interested, check these guys out. Where this might be more useful is for somebody who's, who's got some physical challenges and just, just can't really move around to put something like this together. Or they're busy. They're an executive uh, you know, at work, and they work 80 hours, and they still want to do it. They just don't have time to do it. Hey, uh, you know what? I have money. Let's just buy this, and I'll, I'll get it set up for when I am available. I'll, I'll be able to run it. Not every one of us is actually also inclined at building things too, right? Or comfortable. Well, I'm I'm not, but I, you know, I can't afford to pay them to do it for me. Like, for example, I've realized I've put this damn SimLab P1X together all wrong, uh, you know, where I've had the left side go down an inch on me on the uprights and because I didn't tighten it right or I didn't use the right bolts or who knows why. Well, I just hope they pick the right shipping company because if they don't give it a full send, it would just, it wouldn't get to you. Full send Sims. You probably have to press the right button then, David, to get it shipped right. Man, it's not good if you press the wrong button and it suddenly changes your wheel into Xbox mode and takes you out of a, of a gateway race that you were actually having a good run. 
But um, that's not really what this next article is about. The question is, what does this button do? And I can pick this one up. I gave this one a quick watch because it's only 45 seconds. And it's a pro driver, Daniel Morad, giving a rundown of how he programs his buttons on his formula wheel. And that's basically what you do. You set it, it, Some of them are for push to talk. He has one for Discord, one for in-game. Some of them for are for uh, changing volumes or muting, muting the volume. Some of them are for changing menu options. And he even has one set on there that will clear penalties when he's in a hosted race where you can just wipe out all the penalties. And that's that's pretty standard. You just you, you try to find everything you can to uh, use all these buttons for. And that's not, really not enough. That that he has on that wheel without having a button box too. I like this because when I got my formula wheel, I had no idea what I wanted to map the buttons to, and you know which one would be better for this type. You know, for my brake bias, I want to have a certain type of button, and I didn't really know because I'm not a road guy. So I I was searching on YouTube a lot, looking for how do people map their buttons, you know, on these wheels. Um. I think I ended up using the Cube Controls website based on the picture they had on their website of the wheel and how they had the labels set up. I ended up just matching that because I didn't really know which way to go with it. Um, and so, yeah, if you're like me and you're not sure, this is a great uh, watch for 45 seconds. You'll get some great ideas on some great uses of how to use your buttons that are actually going to be benefit you know benefit you during the race. I just think it's it's funny because you've been racing, what, 10, 12 years on iRacing, Mike? And yeah. it took you that long to finally use brake bias in general as, like, the main one that you really want to button map to. And it, you, you took so many years to do it. I never touched brake bias for the first seven years of my iRacing. All right. Somebody take the next one. Something went weird with my script. I got it. I, uh... So uh, I was looking into this one. So this is a simulator garage. Uh, they're blue 92 plus pedals. Um, they're obviously, it looks like it's a Turkish company. Um, they got uh, a load cell pedal. Um, it's fully adjustable. Uh, the pedals, the hardness and the angle can all be adjusted distance, I guess, positions. Um, it's a highly sensitive with a 16-bit load cell and a 12-bit data transfer for each pedal. Um, it's a 200-kilogram load cell. Um, and uh, $592. Sorry? $592. Yeah, so it's just under $600 there for an American. Uh, I guess uh, if you tr translate the $14,000 uh, Turkish uh, dollar. Yeah, if you pay attention to the Instagram video, you can see they've got you can see where they've got some extra, basically uh, rubber cylinders for making adjustments on them as well, kind of like the brake kit that you used to have to order on the old uh, V3 pedals. I, I really like yeah. the design. I like the color scheme for them and stuff. They're 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 a, sim a simple looking load cell design. Like they're obviously they're. They're not any extra parts that aren't needed. It's kind of just basically cut machine metal, and uh, it's as, as, uh, as streamlined as they could possibly get it. You're right. It's a very clean look. And, uh, yeah, it's got different color elastomers, so you can change the stiffness. Different. Uh, there's different springs for the throttle as well. Um, the 
like the wheel uh, plate or the mounting plate is just a very shiny black simple. Like Greg said, it's kind of elegant and, and uh, you know, straightforward. I, I kind of like it. Um, now, Mackenzie, you were asking us about these crazy Chinese knockoff pedals you found this week. And I don't think anybody responded to you about that. But these look so much better than those. I can't hear you. I think he's muted. Yeah, my, my mic was muted. Sorry yeah, about that. that. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> yeah, so I actually saw something on Facebook. Someone was asking about the Huskenveld Sprints. And then a couple people actually recommended those, saying they're pretty much the same quality at like half the price. So I just thought I'd ask if anyone knew anything about them. But yeah, there are some Chinese. I don't know where they're from or anything, or if they're actually any good. I didn't actually really do any research on them. But but uh, yeah, I was just looking at these ones, and I don't think this company actually ships to Canada, so I wouldn't be able to get these anyways. The... Uh... There's a two-year warranty too, so it's good that they have a warranty on these, at least for two years. Um, I mean, it's not nothing com compared to some of the ones that we've seen with lifetime warranties or whatever. But this is at least there's something there to protect you. Well, Greg, it's funny you bring up the number two, because what do we have next? Paint Builder Two, and um, actually, Justin, why don't you take the topic? Actually, yeah, Trading Paints put a tweet out. Uh, saying some of us have already found it, but today Steve, Sean, and I are very proud to unveil, uh, unveil uh, Paint Builder 2 for Trading Paints Pro members. Sean and Steve have been working on this program for more than two years, and now here it is. Okay. So is anybody I trying to see it? I'm not a pro. So basically, they're giving you the pro instead of you going and having a third party program, they're creating their own party program to be used to do your paints in in trading paints right it's in browser painting right so you don't have to spend money on you're you're spending money on the membership to have it for the pro thing but you don't have to buy a go and find a free program and try and adapt it or anybody that you know has fo uh, photoshop or paint pro or things like that and it's not the only thing that comes with Pro. Initially, you had to have it to be able to use spec maps, but they changed that. But it allows you to upload a separate paint for night and day paints and, and, and quite a few other things. That's the key with the Pro membership. And I, I actually signed up the first year that they had it out, and then I didn't. But what I liked about it was the day and night paints. So as I went through the NIS season, if it was a night race, I would run a, a inverse paint. And in a day, I would run my regular uh, paint. And it was kind of neat because it was automated and automatic. The other neat thing is if you're a pro, you can have a very uh, a specific paint for a specific league. And so all the leagues that you're enjo uh, joined to, you can go and mark a paint to be with that league. Yeah, I, I really, really... For the majors. Yeah, I, I really like this idea because what it does is it... like. You know, when I'm talking to Bobby about a paint problem, I run a different program than Bobby and trying to figure out between the two different programs how to make it work in, you know, um, to get it to work in iRacing uh, the way that they want it to work on the template it is sometimes, you know, you got to figure out trial and error with some things. And it's been figured out a lot now because over time, but with this, if they're creating their own program, 
they could kind of make it, uh, I don't want to, I guess you could call it idiot proof, but at least proof where you're not, you know, whatever you're putting into that, you know, it can work into the sim. I think, you know, they're, they're adding this paint builder too, as part of the pro membership. And it's just more value for local members. You know, um, I don't really run leagues anymore and I kind of gave up on the whole having multiple paints. So I, I haven't really felt the need to, to sign up for it, but man, if you got, if you do those things, it's worth the money. It's cool. All right. Stupid. Brian's not here. Cause I didn't get a chance to re review this VR uh, uh, feature, but uh, we've got a brand new Pico four and we've got a review for it. So go ahead, Mike. Yeah. I, I parts of this as well. Um, the Pico four all in one VR headset, 128 gig is, is available on Amazon and, um, $600. And, um, as far as the review, I mean, Carl Gosling goes through it, you know, in typical, you know, Carl, uh, fashion, um, you know, he, he says six months on what's changed and, and he compares it to the previous one and, and what are the differences and, and, and he liked the differences, but, uh, you know, he's always a picky guy and, and he tells it how, how it is. I think he said it has a much wider, uh, sweet spot. You know, the, the spot where your eyeball looks at, it's a much wider. It's another wireless one. If, as, as you can tell, just taking a glance, I just don't know if I want to go wireless with, uh, with for racing and he has the old one and the new one there and he and he's got them one in each hand and he's kind of comparing and that kind of thing so you know it, it with all the different you know vr headsets out i mean these are both the videos on this week's uh, show are, are must watch you know the pico 4 and then the quest 3. i don't know enough about vr to tell you you know specifics all right on this next topic this is a perfect example of the face you see every time Greg talks to his wife about iRacing. <laughs> I really hope not. I really, really, really hope not. I wanted to avoid this one completely because I don't, <laughs> the comment section is a little inappropriate, but it's one of the most basic of ideas for a sim rig. It looks like they took a bookshelf and sat her in it and moved a shelf in front of her. I guess that's how I would describe it. There, there's a yeah, seat. Yeah, they laid too. the bookshelf down. Yeah, so yeah, you're right. There is a seat. So yeah, I forgot the seat and the wheel. But all I notice is the facial expression. Now that you're talking about the girlfriend sitting in the uh, the seat, you know, uh, yeah, she doesn't look like she's entirely thrilled to be there. This is the face that we all were giving when Mike was trying to name last week's show. <laughs> anyway, Sim Racing Point on Instagram is where I found that one. They're always a good follow for some funny Sim Racing related humor. All right, Mackenzie, what about the Logitech G Racing Adapter? Yeah, um, Boosted Media put out a video here. Um, video just paused on me. There we go. So it's a Logitech G racing adapter that opens new possibilities to cross platform components. So, uh, I didn't actually get to watch this video, but just by watching it quickly here, if I'm, if I'm right, I think it makes the, the, the Logitech, um, what am I saying here? Wow. 
Well, all Logitech equipment can be mixed and matched with this adapter. That's what it is. It's just a small hub to plug in a gear shift, to plug in a, a Logitech gear shift, a Logitech pedals from maybe a G27 or a G25 or a G920 or the new direct drive Logitech. You I can feel, mix and match anything. I feel like this was needed because of the newer ones compared to the old ones, because I think the old ones worked really well together. It's when the new ones came in, they wouldn't work together, right? Well, on the old G27, the gear shift had the an, an old nine pin serial adapter yeah. connection it was not usb at all but it went uh, in the back of the wheel didn't it yeah it went in the back of the wheel and i kept that shifter when i got my direct drive f- for a while until it just completely died um and and how did you plug was, it in there was a rick Motech had an adapter that would just switch it over to usb that had to be one of rick Motech's probably one of the more popular things that he sold at the time. Yeah, so my, now uh, you can buy this instead and do the same thing. Yeah, I have the Logitech G29 with the Logitech shifter, and it's the same way as that. It plugs right into the wheel. So if I upgraded to a direct drive wheel and wanted to keep using those, then I'd need this adapter then. Right. Yeah, and or like while, you can, but while you can, keep using it. Does does yours have the buttons on it? Is it the twenty seven or the twenty nine that had the buttons on the shifter? Twenty uh, twenty twenty like the twenty seven was the the one with the had all the big button pad in the, on it. Yeah, from back in like, the day, it actually had an arrow, almost a D pad on it and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was the twenty seven. Twenty five um, was the the just the uh, people like the twenty five because it had had the. Uh, sequential and um the h pattern on it whereas the 27 didn't and the 27 had the buttons yeah i have just like the logitech shifter that's just an h pattern with no buttons on it or anything yeah that was the next generation when they brought the other ones out they never brought another shifter out when they brought the direct drive they just brought the direct drive to add with that shifter right they didn't change the shifter no i don't think so i think they still have the same shifter well, let's shift to the next topic, Mike. How about a Gomez GLX Pro review? Yeah, again, Carl Gosling has been uh, very busy, and um, he went over this wheel. This is the one without a display, and um, he liked it. I mean, it's very functional. It does what it's supposed to do. I think he gave the impression that it may be overpriced for what it is. Yeah, but functional, very functional. You know, he talked about the the four pin USB, to, the four pin cable you have to use uh, with this kind of wheel, the drawbacks of that, you know, how you would have to use the cable and so forth. I don't know if I like the look of it. I mean, it's got this carbon fiber, you know, background and then bright yellow around the knobs. I just think it clashes a little bit and then kind of orange and black, you know, for the covers of the buttons. Color scheme is a little off for me. I don't know. Or next, we've got a button box that's featured and it's uh, from Precision Sim Engineering. And it's a, a button box that has Sim Hub integration as well as live feedback with, a two, with two seven-way funky switches. What a beauty. Really low profile, too. Um, 
Now, I checked the website at Precision Sim Engineering to get a price. It's not listed yet. This is like a brand new product. They're just showing off on Instagram, apparently. Um, so nice. Yeah. It's a what, sample unit, they say. What does Sim Hub integration mean? It works with the Sim Hub app. App is a Windows app you can install in Windows um, called Sim Hub. And I use it to run my butt kicker as well as my wind simulation that, Sam, that's the software that actually too. runs it it's a neat design i i almost think it could be a little bit tough with the buttons being so compact and close together especially if you're working in vr it's um, like a keyboard almost yeah um that's why i'm really partial to the something kind of like the dsd where you have toggles and buttons and knobs oh my SimHub software also programs the lighting for my formula wheel as well um like i can get a profile from the internet from somebody and put it in sim hub and now my wheels all programmed like it'll start flashing blue and the leader comes up on me and stuff oh to this is there anything in here saying that it's illuminated at all or is it just the blood button it probably doesn't have color yeah it doesn't show it'd be cool if those buttons were kind of like a more of like a um a clearer color where it would let some light through or at least the the color sticker part what's the other button box where it has the programmable square buttons that do light up that's basically what's stream the name deck, of that right stream deck right this is like a stream deck knockoff yeah stream deck they let it lets you put your the image in there too right so it it uh it's whatever you program the image that'd be a thumbnail yeah so this yeah, these are like stickers yeah, Stream Deck is literally actually tiny little monitors on each little button, whereas this is just buttons. But they've got that square colored look, and it looks like it's stickers on it. Yeah, so pretty cool. More to come on that one. We don't have a price. All right, next up, uh, Justin, we've got uh, some tips on naming your own paints. Yeah, Drew Adamson shows you in Twitter to post on how to name your paint file and use trading paints for others to see your paints or send directly to your friends. Maybe you guys can enlighten me on this. I'm, I haven't painted a car yet. so. Well, we don't need to, I guess, read off every single item because if you want if you really want to look into this, just go to our website and look at the show notes and you can see each one. But this is basically, you, you have to go into your documents folder and then iRacing and then paints. And then for every car, there's a folder. And if you look in there, if, especially if you have trade and paints working, when it downloads, it downloads all the files it needs for each, each pus person that's done a trading paint. Well, the main reason I need this info is when I'm editing my paints i like i need to name them correctly drop them in the folder so it will so that that the iRacing ui will update and show me the the adjustments that i've made so it, i i look at the, those t basically the top option for car number and then i look at the spec map option and i i save the file with with that and my username number and then drop it in the right folder, and boom, it updates it, and I can see what changes I've made when I'm painting a car. Right, so you, you paint the, the TGA, and then you save it as car underscore 99557, which is my ID, dot TGA. And so if, once you name it that, you drop well, it in the right folder, and then you can see it. Now, 
here's another thing that I found is a good thing to have when you if you're using the trading paints app. This is just a good setting to always have on it. Um, in the advanced part on your trading paints thing, when it comes up, check off cleanup download files from egg, or from iRacing when you exit, and then clean up drivers uh, exiting for, or existing paint files before fetching new ones. Um, and then if you're doing what David said, when you're painting a car, turn some probably the best idea is to turn trading paints off at that time so it doesn't update anything. But for the most part, turn those on so your files don't aren't drastically huge either because if every time you race with somebody it gets put into that file and then if you don't delete it from that file it just sits in there and you just have more and more files accumulate on iRacing yeah it'll build up if you race the same driver it'll overwrite it'll overwrite the file in that case but for every every time you race a new driver their file will just stay in the folder and it will it will re- begin to pile up. I've just noticed there's a recent trading paints option, and now you can pre-download the paints. I've never seen that before because I was looking and part I was of looking at the, those. Part of how the beauty of using trading paints, even as a free uh, version, is when you upload a paint, it renames it appropriately. So others, when so others download it, it it downloads it as the right name into the right folder. So it doesn't really matter what you name it when you go to upload it to Trading Paints. It does matter if you're trying to preview your paint locally, like David was saying, dropping it in a local folder. Or if you want to send it to friends individually, or some leagues require you update your paints into a folder if they have a broadcaster who has to pre-approve all the paints to make sure something not appropriate is not in there. I've had people ask, how do you know your customer ID number? I've always found it by the old website. If you go to your profile page and you look at the number in the URL, that's the ID number. They, if, you also, um, if you look at anybody else's profile, it'll literally show their number as well. And David, that's how you put the caution tape paint on certain drivers you wanted to avoid. So you went and figured out what their number was, right? And then you would just dump that paint in that folder named as that number? Yep, I don't have to do that anymore, but yeah, that's what I used to do. Also, just so everyone remembers too, and we might know this, but a service like Trading Paints is there for the community. They don't have to be able to do this. We never really, there was no, there was no need, or not no need, there was no, um, per, uh, they didn't, iRacing could have just stayed without having custom paint jobs and because uh, having trading paints, it's allowed us to be able to race other people with custom paints and see it. Um, so it's it's nice to have that. So don't abuse the paint system as well. And that's a good reason, Greg, to buy a pro membership. Support these guys because they are doing us all such a great service. They're insulating iRacing and us from potential lawsuits from potential real companies that have their paints on these cars that maybe they don't want to. All right, let's jump to final results. NIS, and what do we get? I got a, a Friday, I started P28 in Sonoma and I finished P10. And I think that was three top tens for me. I think it was a fourth, a fifth, and a tenth. So man, I mean, I can't believe I'm doing so good at Sonoma recently. 
but it's been real nice. And that's it. Nobody else ran. Can't remember. I was gone Sunday. No, you raced. I, I ran. I ran Friday night, didn't I? You ran with me. I cra yeah. I crashed out into the barriers off of turn three to turn four there. Um, nosed into the barrier and broke every single piece of the front end of the car I could possibly find on it. I was running at mid-pack around 16th or 17th. Um, I was a lap down and I was letting a lap car by uh, coming, I can't remember, it was one of the hard right-hander turns, not not the, the one at the top of the hill, but the one after the top of the hill. And the guy that was lapping me just decided that he needed the whole track while he was lapping me and just came across my nose and wrecked us both. Then he wrecks me on perp and then he spun around and speared me in the door. And yeah, he did get protested and it, I already got the email back saying he at least got a warning letter. Um, so I ended up finishing P21 after that. I thought it was going to be a nice clean race. And he just, I was giving him room. I was all the way on the curb and he just came over and he just kept coming over like I wasn't there. That was top yeah, it was top split. Yeah, so you guys were in the same split, and then I think Donnie was running as well. I don't know where he finished. And not sure about Tom either. And it's an off week. Can you believe it? I, I feel so out of place this week. Like I said, I went to practice Tuesday night, and I'm like, what's going on? But I, <laughs> I did run some other official racing. I ran my first FIA F4 since they, they renamed it at Virginia International Raceway, qualified 12th out of 21. I got up to P9 on lap one, but got wrecked out by lap seven, D and F. I went off on my own. Then I ran a Delara Dash at Charlotte, wrecked out before the green flag from behind. David, uh, IMSA, three P3s in a row, and that's an average of P3 we learned. Yeah, math. That's that's Greg's awesome Canadian math that, that he came up with over there. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, oh, it, it wasn't all speed. It wasn't all speed. Uh, there's this uh, Watkins Glen is tight with the, with the GT3s and these and, and these GTPs on there, and a lot of guys are just screwed up and running over gt3s and then there's some places where the particularly in the s's the gt3s some of them think that you have to sit behind them in the entire s's and that's just unreasonable because that's a that's losing five to six or seven seconds on a lap so in the in, in the s's they're just gonna have to pick one side or the other to go to go down and give up a little bit of time so you get in a little time i mean i managed i was lucky enough to always kind of get get around them on the outside when they were taking one of the apexes but a couple of guys would go in and they would come down and just go ahead and close the door on them i did have got one guy run me off the track once um but i, I managed just to just get a slow down in, instead of uh taking any damage or anything but uh hopefully things go well for us and and we can really end this this dive bomb that's been going on the last three weeks all right that's it that's all we have i can't believe we don't have any results but it is an off week so happy father's day let's jump into final thoughts david hall so i said i was going to nashville for a concert and i, I sent you some group pictures uh, it was really awesome i got to do the vip stuff so i got to hang out get, got to visit with the band get their picture i got a signed poster um and if you like rock slash metal music of any kind I really I'm, I have to endorse these guys. Halocene is the name of the band. Check them out. 
boost their numbers even more. They're, they're really big on Twitch and YouTube. And, um, this venue was really cool. What, what was really neat was, was Addie, the lead singer. They had just been on tour up in, in the Northeast where all the air quality was going down and it affected a voice. And that's legit. I know what that, I know that my voice has trouble when you, when they burn fields out here. Canada's on fire. During, during harvest season. It's basically blame Canada. Right. Um, but it's a real thing. But what was kind of neat about the experience is she, she kind of, some performers, if their voice was basically gone or fried, could just leave the stage and say, Hey, I can't do this. She stuck it out and let one of, let one of their guest performers kind of carry the weight some. And she paced herself and could sing some. And she also actually literally just kind of opened up and, and, uh, basically cried on the entire audience's shoulders that that was the first time her voice had, had gone on stage. Um, and so even though we didn't get to hear the, the normal set list in, in some ways, the fact that she treated the whole audience as a friend was, um, was nice. So she's definitely not, not a diva. She's a very real person. And it, and it, that was a unique experience that most of the other tour, probably the rest of the tour probably won't get. And it was also really also neat. I got to hang out with Brad and literally just stand on the stage and have a conversation afterwards um so they're they're very humble they're not stuck up and uh you it's it's kind of like uh going to an imsa race versus a nascar race the imsa race you can just go hang out with the drivers and just carry on a conversation with them and halicine was the same way and so it was it was a great experience would you uh say her voice was burnt out david sounds like fun all right greg hectus final thoughts I'm going to hell for that comment. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I just, uh, it was nice to uh, get into a, a road race with David there the other night. I, I didn't know if we'd actually make the same split with each other, but it was nice to uh, get in there and race the caddy. I only had a couple laps on it before I got in, but uh, I think I'm going to enjoy that car um, and uh, probably do some more racing this weekend uh, on the off week. It's tough always on Father's Day weekend. There's always something something going on. But uh, uh, I wish David and uh, Tom good luck in their race on the weekend, and uh, hopefully they can bring back a, a six hours at the Glen. All right, very good, Justin Pearson. Final thoughts? Yeah, um, not much. Uh, I just got back from Vegas. Uh, never been that far west before. I was kind of near your area, Mike. And uh, but I was kind of short little story i was kind of sad and disappointed uh i woke up early friday morning i was texting you guys and i wanted i woke up early before my wife and i wanted to see if there's any sim racing stuff in vegas like any lounges or anything like that and i googled and sim coaches was a mile and a half away where i was staying so i got the info from donnie I was going to set up a time with Lawrence and i walked 100 yards out in the casino and i rolled my ankle sprained it swelled up real bad and i was like fuck uh, i was like shoot and so i went out <laughs> finally took about half a day to get moving and i was like okay I, at least i was thinking sim coaches was a retail store and i take an uber out there and the uber drops me off in the middle of warehouses <laughs> and so <laughs> i learned that it was, wasn't a retail store so i went back to the hotel so that was my short little embarrassing story so. Yeah, you have to get ahead of Lawrence ahead of time, and and he'll take he'll take you on a tour in the of the warehouse. Yeah, I learned real quick. So, but yeah, Vegas was 
fun but expensive. So the money trap. Mackenzie Stevens, final thought. Yeah, I don't have much either. I was away all last week for work, so didn't get to run at all. But uh, now it's season three. I finally got my my oval license up to A class, so I'm excited to be able to run some A opens and practice for uh, NIS every week. All right. Well, welcome back. Uh, my final thoughts. Uh, yeah, rare NASCAR off week. I'm getting stuff done. Like I this morning, I was looking at my painting and I was telling you guys, boy, I got to motivate and hang that thing on the wall. I finally found two studs and hung it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it looks great, so I'm happy to get that done. I did some cleaning around the house, then my wife ended up with a flat tire and I had to fix her car. And So I haven't been busy racing, but uh, it's been a nice off week. Ready to get back to it. Looking at the point in IS Open, I'm still leading Tom Dryling, my teammate, by 35 points. Leaving over Pedro Palladino by about 60-some points. So I don't know if I can hold it. Tom is fast. He's got more I rating than I do. He makes more points usually than I do. But he's had a couple tough weeks and I haven't. So uh, knock on wood, man. I'm going to fight him down to the end and uh, may the best man win. And with that, hey, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.